atmosphere is changing now For the Spirit of the Lord is here The evidence is all around That the Spirit of the Lord is here And he called a child to himself and set him before them and said, Truly I say to you, unless you are converted, unless you change your way of thinking and become like children, you shall not enter the kingdom of heaven. Now just for a few moments in the beginning, let me ask you, is this kind of how your life is in learning to live with God? Do you take the risk? Do you make the jump? Do you go ahead and just jump thinking, well, God will catch me? Or do you live it carefully, not certain that he really meant it when he said he's your father? If he's your father, you've got to start with some things, and that's what I want to do in this last Sunday of 2017 is go back and talk about some things where we start. Because we're going to go into some things that are much more intense. But let's think about where we start, where we begin. I'm not going to take you to every scripture. I will take you to some. The one I just read is in Matthew 18, uh, verses 2 and 3. And look what this came out of, by the way. The disciples came to Jesus saying, Who then is greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Who gets to preach this Sunday? And the reason that's fresh on my mind is because uh, I know a church where that has become an issue, and it shouldn't. Where somebody wants to be recognized to the point that they will say, Well, Pastor, you've been in the pulpit too many Sundays. I need a turn. And I'm not, that doesn't happen here, by the way. It, it just doesn't. It's not. But I'm, it's all those kind of things where I want to be something. And Jesus says, unless you change that thinking and become as a child, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. You're not going to experience Father's realm. And, and the idea of him being a father... Would, would he really be a father if he said, now for you to understand, you have to read my mind? Isn't that, we kind of think that though, don't we? I've got to get really intense so I can read the mind of God and bring it to earth. He came to earth. We just celebrated that. And he came as a baby and lived it out. And he has always been able to speak to his people. I'll tell you, the people in the Old Testament didn't ask the question, can God talk to us? Because God talked to them and they understood it. They knew it. And here we are in this new covenant, this new testament, and we're saying, oh God, teach me to read your mind. And all the time, now forgive me for this illustration, John and Sandra, for all, for all, for all that time, Sandra is speaking what God said, and John's saying, God, I need to read your mind. <laughs> or Chelsea is speaking what God said, and I'm saying, be quiet, I'm hearing God here. 
or the word is speaking to me and I'm saying, but God, I need to hear your voice. Or circumstances is crying loudly and I'm not understanding it. Going back and realizing that he wants to be a father to you. And fathers talk to their children and they don't expect them to read their mind. They expect them to hear from others of the family and they expect them to operate in a way that is different from just having a set of rules that we hang on the refrigerator and say, now every morning when you get out of bed, you spend 30 minutes on the rules. And then maybe, 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 dad will come in and you spend 30 minutes talking to him and then you're ready to meet your day. Now, with God, is it good to spend some time talking to him in the morning? You bet it is. Because the Bible teaches us that he has prepared a way before you. And it says that we get up in the morning into his presence. Some of these scriptures I should have looked up again so I could give them to you. But I've just been browsing through all of this, getting ready to go back to some foundational things this morning. That's very important. We are brought forth by a father, a heavenly father that wants to live with you, talk with you, supply your need, meet your need. And he wants to do it as a father. And that's what's so hard for, for me. I don't know if it's hard for you, but he's my father. He wants to interact with me like that, but he's almighty God. And I have a conflict in between there of getting my mind to embrace that almighty God somehow indwells me and walks around me and ministers to me and through me but he wants us to learn that and he wants us to get over the conflict. Now, the next thing that I want to set as foundational is found over in the epistles. And again, I, I didn't look this one up, but that is that he is a good God. He is, it says, every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of light and in him there's no shadow of turning. So when I look at things in my life, and I determine this is not good, this is not producing light in me, then I can be very confident where that's coming from. And I can then begin to ask Him to bring light into this situation, begin to work with me, because I'm getting ready to put a whooping on this darkness. Because my Father is with me. He indwells me. He loves me. He wants me to make it. And I understand that this thing that is on me does not come from God it's coming from darkness and in him there is no darkness so father what's my next step to get out of this mess and we're going to be talking the reason I'm establishing some of this this Sunday is I'm going to be talking next Sunday about about the powers of darkness that put this pressure on us and that we need to be very aware of that but not just aware of that but aware of how to get out of it and aware of what to do with it when the time comes. Now, out of those two things, I want to go to the 103rd Psalm, Psalm 103. And just begin to start to work through this a little bit. And I'm telling you that great conviction has settled on me as I've prepared for this morning. Not conviction like in, oh Lord, I've sinned, but conviction in that there, is, there are answers 
to help us get someplace. I'm convinced that even back in the time of David, that David had some of these answers. But notice how he starts. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, hear what he's doing. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotion. And here's a man that is commanding his mind, his will, and his emotion to let loose of those things that is troubling it. And my mind, my will, my emotion, you will bless the Lord. We have that power. Now let's talk about blessing for a moment. It's a word that's derived from a lot of the old covenant things. And I won't go deeply into that part of it. But there is a picture of the old patriarchs when they would bless their children that they would, a lot of times they would go down on one knee and their child would either kneel or bow over before them and they would place their hand on it. But the symbolism was this. This father that had accomplished all of the things that this child now lived in was coming to this child's level and saying, I'm releasing upon you the things that this household has produced. Now, blessed, and Jesus went on and on and on about blessed are those, blessed are those, blessed are those. Father literally gets down and gets involved in what you're involved in when you live this way. But there is a law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. There's a way to live that he gets involved in. But now David, understanding the blessing of God, is now saying, my mind, my will, and my emotion, I command you to get involved with what God's involved in. Bless the Lord. You don't live down here and ignore what he's involved in. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. You, my mind, you, my will, you, my emotion, I'm taking you in check. You're not going to live there in that darkness anymore. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. And all that is, that is within me, bless His holy name. Understand that His character is different than our character. That's what holy means, that He's set apart. He lives differently. His, his character, His, his uh, integrity, His honesty, etc. is different than ours. And I'm telling my soul, you embrace the way He lives. And while you're doing that, Forget none of his benefits, verse 2. Forget none of his benefits. Don't forget my mind, my will, my emotion. Don't forget that in your coming into order, you're beginning to think as God thinks. You're beginning to walk as God walks. Understand that there are benefits involved in that. There are those that would tell you you're supposed to just bless God because he's God and you're not supposed to have those in mind. We're human. We have those in mind. We think along lines of benefit. The Bible talks about over in Hebrews that I believe it was Moses or Noah, somebody. It, it talks about how they did it for the reward. They were put in, in that great chapter of those of faith. But what they did, they did it for the reward. So if you're not doing it for anything else, do it for the reward. Do it to understand that because of this there will be life working in you. And don't forget those benefits as you move along. And now, here's some of the benefits. He pardons all your iniquities. Now let's consider that for a moment. 
because many of us live in the shadow of our iniquitous descendancy. You say, well, I don't think I do. Do you not? When you say, I'm like this because my family has always been like this. Or, you know, my dad was like this. What are we doing? We're living in our iniquity. We're letting the power of iniquity come upon us. And we do it in another way. Like, now we haven't had this conversation, but as if Sai and I were talking, and we agreed together that we have this problem because men are just like this. We would be living in iniquity. We would be letting the power of the sin that has marked men for generations determine where we're living right now. But he says that he'll forgive all your iniquities. You don't have to live there. That you don't have to live there. Now, don't raise your hand because I don't want to embarrass anybody. But how many of you feel like you're born again? I do. But here's something I've begun to realize is I need to be born again almost every day. And here's what I mean. Is that Glenberry back there is not alive anymore because he died together with Christ. And when I was drawn to Christ and I accepted him, this is the guy that's alive now, not that guy back there. Now, we need to realize this. There's, there's so many... Uh, illustrations that I could give you that I won't give you right now because, because it's, it's too personal to some people, but just in a general sense, there's been so many situations that I've been put in with my family where I realize I'm having a choice right now. I can either be the guy with the iniquities of the family or I can be who they're trying to get me to be to rise up and be who I am. And who I am is born again of the Spirit. Who I am is the guy that walks with God and almost desperately wants to please God. That's who I am. And he, He's forgiven all of those iniquities. He, they're in the sea of His forgetfulness. I'm not who I was. And I'll tell you what, if you live like this, you'll find that you're not who you were yesterday. Because you're living in the newness of His mercy every morning. Now the reason I go giving you some background on that is because it says that now he, who heals all your diseases. Almost every disease known to mankind has come out of the living, insistent living in ways that are not God's ways. And he says, if you'll understand that the, one of the benefits is that God heals you from yesterday, He forgives you for yesterday, you can live in the healing of today. That's amazing, isn't it? But to do that, you've got to realize that there's ways of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. There's laws of the Spirit in Christ Jesus. And you can't keep breaking that law and live in His health, live in His healing. Because most of the time you're going back to what fit yesterday. And saying, that's who I am. I'm going to live there. And it brings all kinds of darkness, all kinds of conviction of the soul upon you. And you've got to live different than that. Now there's, there's just illustration after illustration that come to my mind. And I, I hope I'm not 
suppressing the Spirit by not giving them because I think it would make some people that might be watching this uncomfortable for me to say it. But God will pull you out of your yesterdays and present you in the day. And then you've got a choice. You can become the guy of yesterday apologetic for living or you can become the guy of today that says, oh, the Spirit of God works out for me. Let's, let's just present ourselves and see here what He will do. And knowing that it's not your power, knowing that it's not your ability, knowing that it's not you, but you're presenting yourself who redeems your life from the pit. Part of the benefit. You say, man, I've been in a pit for a while. Well, He will redeem you. Here's the thing. You're in a pit. If you are, you're in a pit because you feel like you're worthy to be in a pit. Redemption has to do with once again deemed worthy. It's an old English word from an old English word, deem. And it's to redeem. To deem means that you are deemed worthy to be something. Redeem means you lost that worthiness, but you restored back to worthiness. But I didn't do anything. No. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Don't forget His benefits. Don't forget that He forgives your iniquities and He heals your diseases. Don't forget and I'll do this in the face of the camera, that I don't have to be like the Barry family. I got the opportunity to be like his family. Like the family of God. Think about that. You can be those that are marked and put in a place like Hebrews chapter 11 where it said that they didn't receive all the promises, but they were marked by faith. And I want you to consider a couple, this one thing right now, because I know that I'm covering territory pretty quickly. But a lot of times we think that God sees us and looks at us in our worst moments, and that's where He holds us. He doesn't. You remember what happened when, when Sarah was listening in on the visitation of the Lord on Abraham, and, and he began to say that, uh, tell Abraham that you, your wife will have a child, and, and he, the whole nation to the earth will be blessed. What did Sarah do? She laughed, didn't she? And it, the, the word is a mocking laughter, like, yeah, right. Sure, I will. But how did God see Sarah? He inspired the writer of the Hebrew that says, by her faith, she bore a child. By her faith. That's how God saw her. Yes, she laughed, but she began to do what was necessary to have a kid because in the end, God had spoken. And what I'm telling you is God doesn't remember you as your weakest point. God remembers you at the time that you said, I accept you into my life. And Lord, as you guide my path and change me, I'm going to walk in ways everlasting. I'm going to go down paths of righteousness for your name's sake. And even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'm not going to fear evil because you're with me. I'm not going to forget all your benefits. You heard a medley of song, that's medley of Scripture. I'm telling you that when God looks at you, if He could take you down the halls of history and finally plant you in front of what you see, He sees the finished product. And the day you were born, the day you began to reach out to Him, it was inscribed forever in heaven what you would be. And there's nothing can keep you from going there except you. 
And that's if you forget his benefit. Because he's got that covered. I'll use an illustration out of my own life just recently. Uh, you guys were in the, in the uh, meetings at Pittsburgh. And one of the guys, I think it Doug, said something to the effect of God had been challenging him that he is not the Sanhedrin. Now, I'll give you a quick Bible history lesson. There were the scribes, the Pharisees, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the can't sees, won't sees, don't sees, and then there was the Sanhedrin. And the Sanhedrin measured every little part of Scripture to make sure that the Pharisees had it right, and the Sadducees had it right, and everybody else was wrong. They were making sure. And they were doing that because they thought there would be a Messiah. They wanted not to miss it. By that measuring, they missed it. Because they were demanding that what they saw would be what God brought forth, and it didn't happen. What Doug was saying is that he had that tendency. When I heard that, I knew immediately, I have that tendency. And I was very convicted by it and have been for some months but just a few days ago maybe even as late as yesterday I don't know but a few days ago God said this is plain he said that's not what I'm talking about but I said God when he said that it rang in my heart I knew you were saying it to me and he says I was but what you heard was a correction what I said was an encouragement because I was saying to you, your need to know does not indicate that you're of the Sanhedrin. Your need to, co need to know indicates that you want to know me almost desperately. And he said it was positive, it was not negative. Now, think of these things that you read in the Bible and immediately you hear an accusation. By this you will know them, by their love one for another. Now, how many of you hear that as a, as a condemnation? Well, I, I, I just don't love like I should. But that's not what he was saying. He's saying, you guys, this was the covenant meal. He's sitting there talking to these guys that were going to establish the covenant. And he said, you know, the whole world's going to know you because you're going to love each other. It doesn't mean that we always like every little detail of somebody's personality. But you know, even if I don't like every detail of your personality, you need something as a child of God and I can provide it, I'll do it. I love you. There's many of my family that I don't see eye to eye with them, but I'll tell you if they cry out in need, we'll help them. It's our love one for another. And there's over and over in Scripture that we've taken the negative connotations of Scripture and applied them and thus not being able to walk as we would walk as children with our Father, and with our family. And I'll tell you what, there's many things that we say among ourselves that because of whatever, we take it wrong. Why? Because they don't say it like I would say it. So if they don't say it like I would say it, they must be saying it against me. And so we have what kind of reaction? Certainly not that we're reacting to someone whose iniquities is pardoned, but we ask somebody that's living in the darkness of iniquity when they're not at all, we are. 
And see, all of this is old, it's foundational stuff. It's, it's stuff that we need to go and reestablish because we're going somewhere fresh. And to go somewhere fresh, you've got to bring forth from the old and get that foundation established so you can walk forth into the new and the fresh with confidence, realizing that just as certain as there was a written law, there is now a law of the Spirit in Christ Jesus for us to live by. Now, hear, hear me. I'd say many of you received that statement negatively. And that's not the way I mean it, and that's not the way the Spirit means it. The Spirit, means, the Spirit says, now, yeah, there, there are things to do. There's, there's ways. And if you live in that, you're going to have it all. That's what he's saying. He's not saying, you don't live in that. He's saying, come on, just a little adjustment here. Uh, there's a voice will speak behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, walk in it. Just walk in it, just walk in it. And he's going to find a newness of life, a freshness of spirit that, you, that you've never felt before. And you're going to find that the world doesn't have the hold on you anymore. Why? Because you're walking in ways everlasting. And you're becoming part of a kingdom that never ends. And a kingdom that more and more develops on this earth. And it's the design of Father to go that way. He can't let you be connected by the things of the world and bear His power. You would mess it up. But He'll let you bear His power if you walk in His ways. He redeems you from the pit, crowns you with loving kindness and compassion, satisfies your years with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. The Lord performs righteous deeds, deeds and judgments for all who are oppressed. He made known His ways to Moses and His acts to the children of Israel. Moses became so fascinated with God that he began to know his ways. But here's where it started. You, you follow it out in, in Bible history and, and you'll see how it started. It started with Moses getting hungry to see God. He's saying, first he started saying, God, if you're not going with me, I don't want to go. Man, I, I live that every day now because I found out what it's like to be out ahead of God. I found out what it's like to be out there without Him. And man, I'm just at the point now, God, if, you're, if Your presence, if Your manifest presence is not with me, I don't want to go. I just don't want to go. And that's how Moses started. But then Moses got so hungry, he said, God, I just want to see You in all of Your glory. And God said, Moses... A man at this stage can't see my glory. He, he can't handle it. But I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll let my goodness pass by. <laughs> and I want to see the goodness of God in this nation. I want to see the goodness of God in this nation. In spite of everything that's going on, I want to see the goodness of God in this nation. And I'll tell you, His goodness is passing by us. And it's up to us whether we'll jump in and go with Him. Or whether we let him just pass by. But here's what I discovered just this past week as I was sorting this out. is over in the first chapter of the Epistle of John. Or excuse me, the Gospel of John. It says this. I think it's verse 12, maybe 14, probably 14. John chapter 1, verse 14. And we beheld his glory. Not just His goodness, but we made it a part of our life. This glory, this manifestation of God. And it's full of grace and truth. 
That's where we're going. We've got to establish some of the old thinking to get there. Now, a lot of times we excuse our own weakness by giving reason for the lack of the display of power. And we just have all kinds of reasons. But the one that probably distresses me the most and causes me the most study time is this thing of healing. It would be so easy for me to wrap Scripture around why someone is not being healed. And we can even go on, on and get into, if we're not careful, that it's the will of God for me to carry this sickness. But the problem there is we haven't distinguished between suffering and sickness. And there is a difference. But just let me say this, the decision as to whether or not God would completely be the healer was made all the way back in the Old Testament. When he looked at all of Israel's problems and said, I'm the Lord that heals you from all of your what? Your dis-ease. Everything that causes you ill health, I heal you. I'm the healer. And then the prophet Isaiah saw the suffering of Jesus, saw the sacrifice of Jesus, and he looked at it and he said, with his stripes we were healed. What I'm pointing out here is that determination is not mine. It was made a long time ago. He's the healer. And there's no qualification for that. So I'm going to pray for healing of all the diseases and believe God to come forth. And there's been some things happening that's, a, that's major and, and we're just waiting to nail it down before we bring it forth in, in active testimony. But God is doing some stuff among us. He's the healer. Now, the difference between sickness and suffering is suffering has to do with this conflict that we have between, between the, the culture and, and the fact that He's our Father and the fact that He's Almighty God and this, this thing that we go through when the culture is trying to pull us into, into their reasoning and their response to our problems. And, and they have all of this stuff that, that, you know, if you'll just do this, this, and this, then you can have all of the money in the world that will come to you. And and it kind of sounds a little bit like Satan sounded to Jesus out in the wilderness that uh, if you'll just worship me, Satan said, then I'll put you in charge of all this. Jesus didn't argue that he had the power to do that. He said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to worship you. I'm not going to give you worth. I don't care if you put me ruler over whatever. I'm not going to give you value. I'm giving value to my Father. And there's where we have our struggle. We want to be looked at by the world as these successful people. And we want to do this and we want to do that. And we have this conflict of the mind that causes us emotional distress and disease. And the Lord says, now if you'll just turn loose of some of that, I'll heal all your diseases. In other words, I've already got this working in you. You just need to turn loose of some of those things so you can get to it. So just settle it in your mind. I, I don't have to decide. When somebody wants healed, I don't have to decide if it's God's will to heal. He made that decision a long time ago and he told me about it. And the prophet saw it and he declared it. 
Jesus declared it again. The apostles declared it again. So I'm okay with just going with that. that. Yeah, it's His will to heal. Let's see where we can go with this. Now the other thing I'm discovering, and I'm not going to go deep into this this morning, but healing as it is presented in Scripture is most often a process. Sometimes there's something immediately happens and then there's a process of maintaining it and keeping it. Sometimes you recognize the presence of God and there's a process that goes on as you walk out into healing. But the Word, the very Word is a process. And the fact that He put that, that ability within the human body to, to uh, naturally heal itself suggests there's going to be reason to need healing, does it not? And that being the case, we need to understand how do we work with Him on this. I've seen, well, some of you would recognize the name Dale and Kay Cash. That God had given them, I believe it was for 17 years of marriage, that He had given them the um, promise that they would have a family. And in that those years, they tried to get the money together to adopt and everything else because physically they had not been able to have a child. And then she was pregnant and had a beautiful baby girl. And the doctors told them, well, yeah, but you'll never have another one because of this, this, and this, and this issue. And I remember one time here in Kirksville, I was sitting down to a meal with Dale and Kay, and just as sure as I've ever seen anything, I saw her sitting there with a little baby boy. And I saw the way he was dressed and everything. And I told Kay, you're getting ready to have a baby boy. Well, the doctor said, no, I'm telling you, you're going to have one within a year. They had Timothy. And then, just quite by accident, they had Charity. Hey, God's not limited. You begin to see what He's saying and declare what He's saying and you plant a seed out there. And one good thing about both prayer and the prophetic is they work previous. Once, once you begin to pray and once you begin to speak what He's speaking, it works previous to the actual incident. And there's something of God working out there. And I can tell you, that there's something of God working in people in this house. That's, it's there and it's working and it causes you great discomfort at times. And it causes you uncertainty. Things you don't know. Things you think you're supposed to learn. Things you think you're supposed to say. Things you think you're supposed to do. That's suffering. That's what it looks like. That's what it feels like. Now you have the choice to either live in that suffering and let it bring you down to the level of darkness so you can walk in light saying, yeah, I understand all this stuff, but God has said. There are things that have been said privately to some of you that we'll never make public until you're ready to make it. But I'm telling you, walk in what has been said in the light. Walk in what has been said in the light. Because that's where God is. Dream with God. God is putting that in your mind so you can live in that while you're getting through this. And that's the great conflict is understanding that yes, we live here, but we're going toward that and there's something working in me that's going to develop that. This is often never spoken of at Christmas time and it's not Christmas time, but I'm going to speak, to speak about it. That those wise men, 
Does anybody ever notice that when they came to worship Him, that the, the Bible switches the word and they came to worship a child that was between one and two years old? They saw the light the night He was born. They had traveled toward that light for at least a year. However long it took them to get there. When they arrived at Jerusalem, they, all kinds of havoc started to happen because here's these kings with their entourage that showed up asking Herod. And Herod gets this idea. I'll tell him where the Bible says to find him. Maybe they'll find him and, and take him out of here or something. They found him. What happened? That light began to shine again in the streets. <laughs> Wherever it was, I think they were still in Bethlehem at that time because I believe they left when Jesus was about a year and a half to go to Egypt. I'd have to trace all that out again. But that light began to shine again in Bethlehem. Not over a stable, but they'd been living there for a while. And that light began to shine again after all those months. I'm telling you, if there's a light began to shine in your heart when that Word went forth and you knew something was beginning to happen, then live in the dream of that light because that's where God's living and He's drawing you to it. And that's why prophetic a lot of times is so much resisted and hated is because it's not talking about the moment. It's talking about the possibility that God is creating out here somewhere because He is the God that goes before us. He's the God that comes behind us. He's established on our right. He's established on our left. And He expects us to push through the suffering of now so that we can live in His dream for us. And I'm telling you, that's why we were created. Worship team, if you would, let's come back and go through the songs again. I'm going to, in just a few moments, going to wrap it up and we're going to do some, do some worship there. But I want you to go to Isaiah 60 with me for a minute. Or two or three minutes, or four or five. Isaiah 60. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Now, the title of this chapter in my Bible says, A Glorified Zion. There's a lot of things you can apply to Zion, but literally it means the city of the redeemed. <laughs> ah, those that have been considered once again worthy to carry the light of God. Arise and shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For behold, darkness will cover the earth, and deep darkness the people, but the Lord will rise on you. Does that sound like our times? There's a deep darkness that's on a lot of the earth and on a lot of the people. But the Lord will rise on you and His glory will appear on you. And the nations, the people groups will come to your light and the kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes round about and see. Now I could go on and on with this chapter, but there's a couple of things I want to get into this. If I can find them now, as usual, I didn't write them down. Well, just you do the study. How's that? But it talks about the gates of that city being the gates of praise, like we've been singing this morning. And it says 
a statement something like this, above all things, the Lord loves the gates of praise. The Lord loves the gates of that city. When we praise Him, when we worship Him, look what it says. Lift up your eyes round about and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons will come from afar. And your daughters will be carried in the arms. He's saying when we begin to dream God's dream and to live in the light of what has been spoken about us, and do that in spite of the darkness that tries to overwhelm us. When we do that, they're going to come. And there's another Scripture that says that in the day of His power, people will volunteer. We try to get people to do this and get people to do that. But I'm telling you, as... <laughs> it gets a little hard to stand up up here sometimes. As we do that, as we demonstrate the light and people begin to come, people are going to be wanting to get involved. And that's what I see happening. I'm telling you, it's coming here. I, I've had various ones. John has seen it in some level at times where he has seen it, I believe, if I remember right, multiple times where he was seeking God. He would see this parking lot full and people parking down the street. And you know what? That's really not what it's about. But in the end, that's what it's about. That the world will know that there's a God. And that it's not that, yeah, there's all kinds of things that maybe we could do to get out of some of this, but it'll just put us in more bondage if we do that, because then we'll be in bondage to the things of this world. And as for me, I'm going to be like David. I'm going to tell my mind, my will, and my emotion, you bless the Lord. You rise up to His level. He came to yours. Now you rise to His. And you bless the Lord. You bless the Lord. Don't forget His benefits. And remember, He forgives all your iniquities, all your reasons for why it's not working in you. He's forgiven that. And the Glenberry of yesterday don't live today. It's today where we live. Today is the day, Paul said. Now is the time to move forward.